This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. To practical spirituality here in Ashatur, in the old city of Jerusalem, overlooking the Western Wall. Where were you saying? Where were you? So I was working at a backpacker hostel in Mumbai. Oh, great. And, like, uh, and literally every type of person under the sun there. Amazing. Before then, I was in Toronto. Kobe, right? Uh-huh. Kobe's back from India. I'll go over to Kobe. I brought you incense. Because I figured you were probably smelling incense while you were in India, were you? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, here's some incense for you. I'm just going to press it. It's going to smoke. There it goes. This, you know what this is? How do you like that? They have, they have, this is called frankincense. In Hebrew, it's called lavona. It's what, this was one of the main ingredients in the Temple Mount. You, you don't all have little... Incense burners in your <laughs> You guys don't travel with incense? Uh, oh, that's very important. Sure. Got another one here. It's a spinner. And it's got... Um, this one has something very cool. This one has in it... This is from Central America. This is called San Paolo. Check this out. What do you think of that one? No, that one's a little stronger. <laughs> mm, that's nice. Try, try the San Paolo. You don't have to inhale it. Just <laughs> <laughs> you know, these days you That's give people <laughs> you give people incense today. They're like, no, no, <laughs> no, no. You you just smell it. <laughs> Do you all smell it? Do you smell the you smell the? You probably smell more of the frankincense. It's nice, right? You, some of you may not be used to smells, but this is your big chance to get used to it because. You know, there's going to be a temple built, you know, in a, on a temple mount near you. Yeah? And it's, going to be, it's not going to be just frankincense. It's going to be 11 spices. And it's apparently, like, so intoxicating to be around that. And, and you'll notice that a lot of people, they don't like the smells so much because, because they're, um, they consider it, like, gentle. Gentle? Gentile or something. Like, Jews and incense. Like, come on. We're, we're synagogue Jews, but Catholics or uh, yeah, I, I've had that same association a little bit, and it's like, whew. you know, I I, I actually once someone was lighting incense years ago, and and I was like, get that stuff out of here, and and the guy's like, you must have some negative association with it, but the the funny thing is, is no one was more into incense than the Jewish people, no one. In fact, putting those 11 spices together in the, in the exact measurements has the death penalty. I promise you, nowhere in India has a death penalty anywhere around incense. Okay? That's not where death penalty is going to be. And not only that, but, sorry, making, this, making that, that same uh, uh, concoction without, meaning making it for yourself as opposed to for the temple, that's the death penalty. Not just making it. If you have to make, the only way you could ever make it is for the temple. Another thing, you could get kosher stuff made for the temple, but, but like get a little bit and burn it outside the temple, death penalty. Not that anyone ever was ever put to death. Even if you did it, no one would put you to death. But it's, it's still, it comes, it comes with not the kind of death penalty that a court meets out. It comes from heaven. A spiritual excision. We take incense way more seriously than any Gentiles do. And the only reason they're burning it if they're Western Gentiles like Christians is because of us anyway. 
You know, they're just they're just trying to take the service to the out into their world, or or uh, or if you have uh, one thing's interesting is universally all throughout the planet, the uh, wherever there are indigenous people in the in jungles or deserts or wherever they live in forests, those indigenous people all have very similar structures to the temple of what happened in the temple, even though they've had no contact with it. But they all have very similar structure. So when you want to feel like something feels a little Gentile, if it has anything to do with meditation music, which we had probably the biggest meditation band ever, you know, thousands of Levites playing instruments, a giant singing choir. You know, so if it's meditation music, Jewish. If it's incense burning, Jewish. If it's if it's crystals, you know, like New Age crystal stuff, the the high priest of Israel, the Kohen Gadol, had twelve crystals on his chest at all times. On a he had a breastplate with twelve crystals, and they actually gave information. Like they, they were, there were the, all the letters were in those crystals. They had the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, uh, specifically in the names of the of the uh, tribes, and they. And when they had a question of import, like of, of national import, they would um, ask it, and it would answer. You know, go show me some master of crystals who has his crystals answering questions. I mean, that might be a genie with a crystal ball, you know, but that's, they're probably selling you the Brooklyn Bridge. We had the high priest of Israel, the holiest person of our people, who would wear this thing full time. So if you see crystals, Jewish. Okay, it's not it's not some Gentile thing. And the reason I, why I push this lately, and I've really been pushing this lately, and I feel bad for my veteran students who are probably tired of me pushing this, but the reason I've been pushing it lately is because we have to be we have to be more aware. Like God's got God's doing stuff behind the scenes. Some are in front of the scenes, like Exhibit A here out the window, the Temple Mount. You know, like. We are staring as free Jews in, at a temple mount in, in Israeli hands. I mean, they've given it to the Jordanian quaff or whatever it's called. I forget what it's called. Quaff? Quaff's what you do with a shot of whiskey, I think. But whatever, it's got a name. Wafk? They've given it to them just to keep the peace for now. But it's really Israeli territory. And so God's doing all this stuff behind the scenes. So and some of the stuff right in front of our faces. So history is moving. And so we ourselves have to be waking up to, to the service, to get ready to do this service, to be part of this service. It's going to be amazing. And then, of course, the question of animal sacrifice. I mean, you can't think of anything more Gentile sounding than animal sacrifice. I mean, imagine if you found out, where do you guys live? Where do you live? Oh, front. Nice. Nice. And where do you guys live? Where in New York? Stanton Island? Very nice. But where are you from before Ephra? Los Angeles. Oh, really? I grew up in LA. What neighborhood? Tarzana. Oh, you're Valley people. Yeah. Tarzana. I grew up in Brentwood. You're from the Tarzana? My dad's office is there. Your dad's office? Yeah. <laughs> dad's office in Tarzana. <laughs> I got to make a brook on this. Amen. <laughs> So, but just imagine like your home in Tarzana or your home in uh, Staten Island that you're like hearing strange sounds throughout the night. So you look out your window into the neighbor's backyard and they're slaughtering a lamb. 
Oh, really? Would they slaughter it? Yeah. <laughs> For food or ritually? For both. Who were these people? Persian, but they were Jewish Persians. Yes. Yeah, yeah they, but they were. It was culture. No, I understand, but they were, they were slaughtering it to eat it. They were doing what's called ritual slaughter, right. kosher they slaughter. But they I'm not. I'm talking about like a bunch of people like bowing down <laughs> while they all dance around the spit, you know, and the while it turns, you know. The uh, I'm talking about animal sacrifice. But can you imagine if your neighbors were doing that? How would you feel? You'd <laughs> be like, there goes the neighborhood. You know, sell sell quickly. You know, sell quickly when they start doing animal sacrifice in your next door neighbor's house. But I mean, no one sacrificed. I don't think anyone sacrificed more animals on this planet in all of the planet's history than the Jewish people during our two temple periods. You know, we were we were constantly offering up animals to God. You know, and that's that's like, you know, why? Why? Sure. The um, a couple of things. Now, first of all, these were it's it's really money with a life, because today we don't look at animals as money. Although, if you would like to eat some chicken this Shabbos, you're going to need some money. But they, but in those days, everyone lived through them. Your animals was your money. I mean, that was your that was your life force. And you had your agriculture and you had your your animals. And so, and so, when you wanted to give something to God. You gave of many different things. You might have given of your your own handiwork. Uh, you could help another person. A lot of things you can do. You can give charity. It's different things you can give. You can give of, but you can also give of your own animals. They're all eaten anyway. I mean, as long as you're a carnivore, it's no big deal to offer the animal to God before it gets eaten. Is it just a strange concept? Because it's, just so it's foreign, but that's why I'm pushing the service. So there's a lot involved with that. Like one of the things is that you lean on the animal, you stare it in the eyes, and you say, "This should be me." Because, because why should it be you? You know why? Because we, you've been ignoring God. I'm telling this to you now, not in the temple times. You've been ignoring God. How much time do you think you ignore God a day? Like if there was a counter with like, you know, those millisecond counters, and then the second, and then the minutes, and imagine if you had a counter like that and every night before you go to bed you look at the counter and it tells you how much of the time you spent focused on that which gave you life all day how would you do each day what, what would you get you know what would be your score each day and and it's not even that big a deal like you don't have to do anything to think about god it's like one of the freest mitzvahs there is you know it's a, one of your free mitzvahs is just think about god and you got a mitzvah you know, there's six mitzvahs where you don't have to do nothing. Yeah, you don't have to do anything, you don't have to spend anything, you don't have to shake anything around. You you just think about it. Like, let's do it together. Um, I'll tell you the six. You can memorize them. No with a K. No means to know there's God. Just right now, if you know there's God, you're in the middle of the mitzvah. I mean, think about it. Where did this world come from? You put the fan on low in case it's already on low. If it's already on low, just leave it. Um, it's the bottom right corner of the. So, uh, is it already on low? That's low. That's ridiculous. Let's turn it off for a minute. Just give ourselves a. 
Let's give ourselves a little break here. As long as you're doing it, it's going. As long as you stop, it stops. And then it starts again as a... It starts again when you start thinking about it again. So it's like a mitzvah you can do a thousand times. Yeah, like, let's do it. Oh, yeah. And it's a biggie, too. It's it's the first of the Ten Commandments. It made number one on the top ten list. It's not a small... It's not a, not a small commandment. And you do nothing to get it. So let's all take a moment. Everyone just be aware that you didn't make you... The world didn't make itself. That's not possible. Rather, there's a God. Okay, there's a God. Now think about that for a moment. And you're, while you're thinking about the fact that there's a God. Now, by the way, there's plenty of people who doubt God, and I spend an inordinate amount of time discussing that in this room, which we're not going to do right now. We're going to skip to the chase. This is Asia Torah. People love talking about whether there's a God or not. But that's not the mitzvah. That's how you get to the mitzvah. Once you realize there is a God, then you, get, then you can do the mitzvah just by thinking about God. So let's take another moment. I'll be quieter. Should I burn some incense for thinking about God? Maybe that'll tune you in. I mean, really, we could play some... Uh, anyone here got Apple Music? You got Apple Music? Good for you. <laughs> forget what to put on. What's the name of the mic thing? Uh, what? Tranquil Sleep. Tranquil Sleep and the second track on Tranquil Sleep. Okay. <laughs> Great, we're all going to sleep. <laughs> think there's a God that created the world. Just think that. And turn it down a little. And not only and not only is there a God that created the world. Turn it down a little bit. Not, not only is there a God that created the world but he's creating the world. It's not like God created the world and then left to go parasailing in a lot for the rest of the week. He's either creating it or it disappears. Because all the world's made of is God creating it. So if God's not constantly doing that, then it doesn't exist. This is a full-time job. Getting hot? Sorry. But listen, listen how quiet it is. We're going to turn on in a minute after our little meditation. So God's creating the world now. And you want to know what's cool about that? Is that your brain interfaces really... Well, your brain doesn't, but your... We could call it your mind interfaces well with it. Why? Because think about it. Have you ever had a moment that wasn't now in your whole life? You ever had a moment that wasn't now? I know you've thrown yourself into future situations that you're going to have to deal with. Like, I'm flying tonight. I mean, I... I have to deal with that. I got things I got to buy. I got to get ready a little bit. I think I've basically picked everything up, and now I got to pack. 
So that's me throwing myself into the future. But, but am I in the future or am I here now worrying about the future? I'm here now. Have you ever been in any other time than now? Do you have one life experience your entire life so far that wasn't now? If I walked up to you two years ago and said, hey, what time is it? I guess you're right, it's now. Still now. Still now. (laughs) So it's pretty cool that your entire life you've only had one experience and that was now. And it turns out that God's only creating the world now, which means God's never, ever created anything but now. Why would he? I mean, God would have to be pretty crazy to create yesterday. I mean, that's a total joke. It's over. Why would God create even a minute ago? And future? He's aware of what will be. He's beyond time, but certainly not creating it. Not till it's happening. So that's the mitzvah, and we're all doing it. You're all like in mitzvah mode right now. In fact, if someone came up and down the aisles and said, mitzvah tzedakah, mitzvah tzedakah, you could tell him, um, sorry, sir, I'm in the middle of a mitzvah already. <laughs> He'd be like, you can do both. <laughs> He'd be like, multitask. But it is true that when you're doing a mitzvah, you're exempt from another mitzvah. Turn it down more or something. Suddenly, they, I don't know what came on. Like, if you're meditating on God, you can turn on the AC for a minute. No. What? If you're meditating on God, is it like a continuous version of that one mitzvah for a bit? Yeah, it's just that mitzvah. Now, ready for this? You have a six. You have five more of these. The second one, and this is a little weird, but it's not to not to believe in any other power than God. So the first one is to to know. I feel bad to say no because it's like the, there's a bit of an argument. But the Rambam holds that belief is not enough. You have to know. Okay, so just sitting there and knowing it, we did that. The next is to is um, others, and others is an interesting one because how could it be constant that there are no other gods besides God? That could only be a mitzvah if someone put an idol in front of you and you were like, and he says, bow down, and you're like, nah. And now you did the mitzvah. But how could it be constant? No one's putting idols in front of you. How could that be constant? So the other, the way you get that is, is um, it's other powers, including you. There's no other powers including you. Which means that, I mean, it's the ultimate. When you do this mitzvah, it's really recognizing that, that you're like a puppet. Not that you don't have free will, you have free will. But on an ultimate level, you don't. On the ultimate level, God's pulling the, pulling the strings. I mean, raise your hands if you've noticed how much, maybe not every day you get this, but often you notice how much life's orchestrated around you. Raise your hand if you notice how much life's orchestrated around you. Never notice that? You don't like need something and it'll be right there sometimes, or you're running late and things needed to kind of line up and they do line up for you. You need you need there to be no one in line in that pharmacy. 
for your for your schedule to work out. And there's always a line in that pharmacy, and you walk in there, and there's nobody there. You just walk right up to the counter, get your prescription, and move on to be on time for the thing you had to be on time for with the prescription. Things get are orchestrated quite amazingly. And every one of us has story after story after story of the orchestration. Well, have you ever thought about that? That means that all the players in the story that was orchestrated around you were being orchestrated. Yet if you asked any one of them if they have free will, what would they say? Sure. Which means you're being orchestrated for others with full free will. When you realize that you are being orchestrated, you're, you're, you're making your own choices. At least you're having the experience of your own choices. And you are moving around the way you move around, just like I'm saying words that are coming out of my mouth based on free will. But am I really? Well, the second I realize that I'm being... I'm being... What's the right word? Uh, there's probably a great word. I'm not teaching right now. I'm being... What? What's the right word? What? Yeah, but no, what's, what's happening to me right now as I speak? Because I'm not doing this. I mean, I... Medium. Yeah, I'm like a medium, but what's happening? Uh, God's teaching you through me. I'm like an instrument. By the way, if none of you were interested in this class and you were all forced to be here, this class would never have gotten off the ground. It would never have started because there wouldn't have been a need and therefore I wouldn't have anything to say. And it happens. It happens. Sometimes I'm speaking in a high school and the kids have to be there. And that means I need a class plan for that hour. I'm going to have to come in with something prepared because none of them want to be there. And they don't have any questions right now, at least not yet. Boy, when I finish, they do. But they don't until then. And you know when the class really starts? At the end, when I open up for questions and there's a now a need, and then, I'll, then I get that wild feeling again that that God's talking through me to the people. And that's why I also appreciate when this class has a lot of people in it. Because it's just more need, which means more will come out of me. And when I do that, I'm fulfilling the second commandment of there's no others. Because this is not my class. You, this is your class. You understand? This is really your class. When you go to a class that someone has prepared, you're going to his class. When you come to my class, you're going to your class. You get that? And so if you if something goes wrong in the class, like it's not a very compelling class or a good class, look yourselves in the mirror. <laughs> Isn't that so LA? The teacher blames the class for his lame class. <laughs> it's like the narcissist comes out, you know, L.A. But it's true. It's really true. And there have been times where I've been feeling lousy. I'm either hungover or, I'm, or whatever. I haven't slept the night before. One reason or another I'm feeling lousy or I just got terrible news or I'm dealing with troll or whatever I got to deal with. And... and uh, come into the class and as the class begins slow at first because I'm really not in my game at all and 
and but after a while, the need of the class draws out this class, and I'm fine, just for the class. I mean, I go out. I got to go deal with whatever I was dealing with, but I'm fine during the class. People ask me sometimes, "What do I do to prepare for class?" And I ask answer as a joke. I say, "I go to the mikvah." That's what I do to prepare for class. Meaning, I go to zero. When you go into mikvah, you're zeroing out. I mean, water is the ultimate solvent. If you put a screw in water and you come back a year later, what's in there? Nothing. It's just water. It becomes water causes everything to become it. And the mikvah takes a, a scatterbrained egomaniac and reduces them to to oneness because it's really one in the water. Sometimes I think in the mikvah. I have a lot of different thoughts in the mikvah. One of the things I think in the mikvah is, is that. Wait, the human body is... What do we, how much percent are we water? <coughs> 75% water. And I'm in 100% water. So what's left here? It's like 15, 20%. 20%, maybe 25% of nothing. You know, what's that? So like 75% of us is water. And the truth is there's a lot of moisture in all the organs too and all that like there's there's not much left I've heard that that the the actual human being is is you can put inside like a matchbox when you if you just like completely dehydrate it you know there's like very little left you know it, but that doesn't make any sense with our bones but I think the bones themselves if you get rid of all the marrow and you know all the softer parts of them like very little is left of us so Sorry about that kind of gross thought, but the uh, anyway. But when you feel that feeling, that wait a second, everything's being orchestrated around me. That means I'm being orchestrated, which means that I'm just like this. This book is getting ghost written through through me. That's a mitzvah, and you're doing a mitzvah when you feel that way, and when you focus your attention on the fact that. God is totally running this show and you're not and nor is the cops or the government or the rabbi or the anyone else but but God is it's 100% God running the show when you have that thought and you'll be like driving back to a front today you're a driver or you take public I drive so when you'll be driving back you're thinking like hey man this is my Cadillac you know and, and you know, I press the gas it goes you have to remember on your way back. You can remind him. Women are good at reminding men of God. But you'll, you'll remind him that it's... I don't know if you're driving. When are you driving? But he'll drive. So so the uh, you'll remind him that, don't forget, it's God driving this car. <laughs> you could take it as a compliment. Now... <laughs> only when you go through uh, Bethlehem. Or we don't have to go through Bethlehem anymore. Do we? So, no... Other, and then the next one is one, and this is a fun one. This is very kabbalistic. One is that that is that none of this exists except for God. Because think about it: if God made the world out of all there was, what was there? God. If God made the world out of all there was, which was God, so then uh, He made the world out of Himself. So what's the world made of? Made of God. And that's the name in Hebrew, Elohim. 
or the state of God inside my backpack or inside my vest or my shirt. The state of God inside of this is called elokus or elokut. So everything's made of God. And that's one, that's a mitzvah you do with your brain by just thinking about the fact that all there really is is God. Is, is, uh, you know, it's really amazing because that means we don't exist. We're in a, this is a digital simulation. And the only thing that exists is the simulator. And the simulator is God. God's the simulator of the simulation. And so he's causing this simulation to happen. He's the simulator. So the simulator causes simulation. That means the simulation, meaning our world, is really the It's just a projection of the simulator. So it's really one with God. Let's all try that for a moment. Oh, let's do all three. So let's start. First, just spend that moment knowing there's God. Spend a moment knowing that God is just like using you as a medium. You're just a vehicle. Your body is just a bit like you hear the music. You think that's you hearing the music? Like You're just this vehicle, this instrument that's being played. It, I mean, it is hitting a drum. They're called eardrums. But is that not just an instrument being played on you? All, and that's, and then realize that that's all God. Everything's made of God, including you. And then there's a lot of therefores, like therefore you're not dumb, because God doesn't make dumb people. You may be dumb about some things, but there's things you're really smart about, because God apportions the wisdom differently so that we work together and that we can make a beautiful world by synergistic interaction so you have been no offense but you are dumb but you're brilliant about other things and between your brilliance and dumbness and let's say you marry someone who's got their own brilliance and dumbness and it something happens there that's synergistic and special I have a whole team of people I work with and I'm really dumb on many of those subjects really dumb on those subjects and they're really smart on some of those subjects and dumb about others so no other it's all one and given that it's all one you're brilliant you're beautiful because you're God you're of God and you're godly you're beautiful powerful make a difference you're wanted <laughs> you wouldn't be here if you weren't wanted isn't that what we all really want is to feel like necessary in this world like we matter we, if, if all there is is God and that's all there is and somehow you're here well how'd you get here well it must be he wanted you here so that makes you wanted you're like permanently wanted no matter what situation you're in you're wanted no matter where your marriage goes, you're wanted. No matter where your uh, your occupation goes or your employment goes, it doesn't matter. You stay wanted. Because <coughs> the creator, that's all there is, obviously wants you here. You're one with him.
The next one is that you know you didn't deserve your life. No, none of us did much to deserve our lives, and and there's some kind of being that's 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 crazy about us. Like there's a being that's crazy about you. He's created your whole body as one giant pleasure module, whether it be the skin, the touch of the skin, whether it be the the side of the eyes. You're covered in nerve endings, all for your pleasure. Taste. God didn't have to give us taste. He didn't have to create the Swiss Alps or Joshua Tree National Monument. He didn't have to create any of this stuff. Snowy mountains, beautiful seas and stuff. It's all just eye candy for us to feel the greatness, the awe. So you are loved, so what's our commandment? To love back. I mean, who do you love the most? People who love you. Think about it. Who are the people you love the most? It's the people who love you. Unless you gave birth to them. Which is a predicament. Because they can be real jerks and you still love them, so you feel all conflicted. You just cannot hate your own kids. As much as you wish you could. And the proof of it is that as nasty as a kid could be, if they do, if they even curtly apologize, like even a fake apology, what do you do? It's instantly forgiven. It could have been years of hell. Forgiven in a moment. But to forgive? To forgive others? Yeah, it's not a specific commandment, but it's uh, it's a mitzvah. Okay, so everyone, get a moment. We're gonna we're gonna end this class very shortly. There's only two more. So, the people we love are the people who love us. Well, no one loves you more than God. God's the one who set you up for this. And and by the way, if you're suffering for any reason, loneliness, poverty, health, if you're suffering, whatever you may be suffering, the that's also love. You know, a parent doesn't just feed their kids ice cream. You know, they, they put them through, parents put their kids through all kinds of stuff. Kids cry their way into school every morning. Little ones, I don't want to go. They're squeezing, they're grabbing, they're holding your pants, they're wrapped around your leg, and you're like, you know, get in there. You, know, you shake them off your leg and close the classroom door and get educated, you little varmint. And, and if you, the kid doesn't get it, the kid's like, what kind of horrible betrayal is this? After years of constant contact, for you to drop me in this little yellow bus or to leave me in this classroom with strangers. And yet all of us, all of us have God putting us in and out of situations and relationships and all of which has made us grow and become great. And, and so, see, the problem is that too many of us have been looking at God like a grandparent. You know, like an old grandparent who, you know, your grandparents will just keep giving the kids candy. You know, they just, my grandkids, when they come to me at my Shabbos table, it's like, there's no, like, I'm not making an account of how many little things I give them. It's like, just keep coming, kids. And you'll keep getting, you know. Like, my parents, my my 
children have to eventually extract their kids before they get too spoiled by their grandparents. But we've been looking at God like that. Like, God, aren't you supposed to just give me everything I want? And God's like, no, I love you too much. I love you too much to give you everything because you'd never grow. You'd never become anything. You'd never feel a sense of even autonomy that you actually broke through some challenge and did something. Rather, I'll give you all kinds of challenges. So God really loves us a lot. And that, that was just a little parenthetical subject of our suffering is also love. It's the love of a parent more than the love of a grandparent. But to stop looking at God as your grandfather. And then there's the... Um, next is the fear. Wait, let's take a moment and feel God's love. Whatever your life situation is right now. Just feel the love. He's spinning every atom in your body. He's giving you consciousness that's eternal remember that's the part that only senses now he's giving you consciousness eternal consciousness will not die with your brain when you have brain death at the end of your life your consciousness will not die it's not located in the brain it's not there so brain death does not affect consciousness it's, it's nowhere you get take an MRI you're not going to find it there's no eye in an MRI So feel that love with all your challenges. And love back. Love, love this creator who creates you. Next is fear. And that is to, to, you know, like recognize God can just swat you like a fly like that. He can knock you out in two seconds. He can take away everything you got. You're, you're grateful that God doesn't open up your file. I mean, can you imagine God opened your file and said, hey, let's see how much he pays attention to me all day. You know what God does? God just looks away. And it's like my father, when my mother, when I was little, my mother used to complain that I was stoned, you know, on cannabis or whatever. And, and she would be angry and, and she'd say, look in his eyes, just look in his eyes. And my father would take me, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm busted. Because <laughs> my eyes are bloodshot red, you know. And my father would come and hold my shoulders to hold me still and to look at my eyes. And I'm, I'm, you know, right there. And I'd watch his eyes. He would look this way. He would look that way. He'd look this way and that way. And she, he would look over and say, he's not either. He's not either is like 1950s version of he's not. Meaning he's not stoned. And he would just, like, totally protect me. Yeah, he'd give it to me later. You know, he'd always say, why don't you quit smoking pot? And I said, Dad, you always taught us never quit. <laughs> so, anyway, the, the fear factor is, the fear factor is that God's, like, could look at your file. He could look at your file. He would never do that. He's just like my dad. He's just like, not opening that. We're not going to look how much you deserve your life. We're going to avoid that and just give you life and orchestrate everything for you so you can grow. And so, but there is a fear factor because he could open it up and that'd be scary because you do not want a tit for tat relationship with God. That's for sure. You want him kind of glazing it all over and saying, oh, he's fine, he's good, she's good. So that's scary. 
And that's scary in this world because you could lose everything in a second. And the other is that in the next world, every thought, speech, and action will be will be reviewed. You know, you're going to sleep in the bed you make in this world. And that's something worth reckoning with while you're alive. So you, that you make good choices of what to be thinking about, and what to be saying, and what to be doing. You make sure your thoughts, speech, and action are, are you know, acceptable before God at all times. And if you blow it, do teshuva. Repent for having done it. So you can re-clean the slate. But it's scary. It's pretty scary. And you've got to fear that. So everyone take a moment. Let's all fear it. Fear both losing it here and losing it there. Maybe we should put on more scary music. I think we're on the love music for the fear part. And the last one, we'll end with this, is to not stray. And and straying means, on the chorus level, it means just going after your base desires, like away from you know, a good life to a bad life, doing the wrong things. Don't stray. But then you would have to ask the question, how could that be a constant commandment? It would only be if I had someone put a cheeseburger in front of me and boy, do I want that cheeseburger. But I'm going to not stray after my desires. So, you understand that... You, you understand the question. You'll have to explain your joke later. But the, you, you understand the stray part is that, well, how can I have that constantly? And the answer is, is that, and we already discussed this, is that you, your brain hijacks your consciousness. It hijacks your sense of being all the time. So you're at an all-time string in one way or another because you can't help but follow your thoughts. And so this is a very deep commandment. And a lot of people don't realize how deep this commandment is, but if you read the rest of the paragraph in, in the Torah carefully of the Sitzis paragraph, if you read it carefully, what it's really saying is in order to be Kedoshim, in order to be really holy people, you have to take control from the vicissitudes of the of the talking, the chatter, the endless chatter of your brain, which you stray after all the time. We all get hijacked all the time by our thinking. But that's not your consciousness. That's just your brain on thoughts. And your brain on thoughts hijacks your consciousness. And at all t- at all times, unless you catch it. And when you catch it, you've done the mitzvah. So let's all take a moment and catch it. Get into your consciousness. Realize you have thoughts. Like, think about the mosque. You can hear the mosque? There's a sound of a mosque outside. Maybe that was the music. I don't know. But those are your thoughts. Okay, ready? Say with me. No other one. Love, fear, stray. Together. No other one. Love, fear, stray. Say it. No other one. Love, fear, stray. Keep going. No other one. Love, fear, stray. Keep going. No other one. Love, fear, stray. Say it louder. No other one. Love, fear, stray. Memorize. No other one. Love, fear, stray. Don't look. No other one. Love, fear, stray. Keep going. No other one. Love, fear, stray. Keep going. No other one. 
Love, no, fear, stray. Keep going. No other one. I've been clearing this table. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.